John Vanier once said, I am struck by how sharing our weakness and difficulties is more nourishing to others than sharing our qualities and successes. Welcome to the 22nd episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP If You Want to Be Cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth and one in heaven. Love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because, as St. Paul said, God comforts us in our troubles precisely so we can comfort those we meet who find themselves experiencing those very same troubles. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. First up, I'd like to chat a bit about some advice I hear a lot, both on social media and in real life, that I find quite dangerous. It goes something like this. If you would just focus on eating right, exercising, going for a walk, etc., you wouldn't be depressed or anxious or have any other kind of mental health difficulty. You might think this is just the kind of thing some out-of-touch Twitter account puts out there, but let me assure you it's not. There are plenty of people in the real world who think that all mental health maladies can be cured by basically pulling up one's bootstraps and trying harder. They think mental illness is a failure on someone's part. They hear some 5 o'clock news report about how a new study says that if you just smile more, you'll end up being happier. And then they start to believe that's the cure for major depression. If we eat healthy, exercise, go for walks, take time to pray or meditate, certainly this will lead to some of us feeling healthier and feeling happier. But this advice only goes so far. For those of us suffering from symptoms related to mental illness, PTSD, major depression, OCD, anxiety, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, personality disorders, etc., our symptoms will not magically clear up because we start eating kale and taking the dog for a walk every night after dinner. Let me make sure I'm being clear. These self-care kind of ideas can help to an extent, but they are not a replacement for professional help for those who need it, therapy, medication, groups. Many of us need these interventions to feel better and to learn how to cope with the symptoms that make our life a struggle, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with needing that kind of help. The prescription of solely self-help and you'll-be-cured tips are truly a slap in the face to those of us who need more help to live the life and experience the peace God so desperately wants us to live and experience. Next up, I'm not interested in taking this podcast in a political direction, I promise, but I want to briefly touch on the presidential candidates like Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, and others, some of whom have thankfully dropped out of the race, rolling out their support for what's called the Medicaid IMD ban and why we need to know about it and think about it if we're planning on voting. First, some definition of terms. IMD is an acronym for Institutions for Mental Diseases, basically a locked institution for those suffering from profound mental illness. And the Medicaid IMD exclusion prohibits the use of federal Medicaid financing for care provided to most patients in the mental health and substance use disorder residential treatment facilities that are larger than 16 beds. So let's break that down. Medicaid is prohibited in most situations from funding or being billed for services in these large facilities for mental illness and substance use disorders. And the result of this is that treatment providers work like heck to get people out of these institutions as quickly as as possible so they can continue billing Medicaid for services to these folks, if that makes sense. The inability to bill Medicaid acts as an incentive to keep people out of these locked institutions, which were popular for putting mentally ill people away back in the day. It seems to have suddenly become popular for presidential candidates to share their plan to overturn this exclusion and allow Medicaid to be billed for services in these institutions. And here's the problem. 
If this exclusion was overturned, if Medicaid was now able to be billed and pay for IMDs, we would most definitely be looking at higher rates of institutionalization for the mentally ill, higher rates of forced treatment, and far less importance put behind the idea of recovery and ongoing wellness, less importance around the idea of helping people integrate into our communities and live the fruitful lives they deserve, and more stigma, more not-in-my-neighborhood-just-lock-them-up kind of attitudes. So again, I don't want to be political or tell you who to vote for, but please take the time to explore some of the lesser newsworthy ideas your preferred candidate may be putting out there and think about the impact it might have on your sisters and brothers with mental health issues, drug and alcohol issues, or issues related to oppression for so many different reasons. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request, and today I'm here to help you learn more about Saint Oscar Romero. Man, it's still fresh, and it feels so awesome to say Saint Oscar Romero. Hope that feeling never wears off. There's absolutely no way to do Oscar Romero justice in this brief segment, so let me not even try, and I'll just give a brief sketch instead. Born in 1917 in Ciudad Barrio San Miguel, El Salvador, Romero grew up to become the fourth Archbishop of San Salvador, partially selected because of his conservative reputation, and he was initially supported by the government as someone who wouldn't cause them any problems. In March of 1977, however, Oscar's close friend, Father Rutilio Grande, was assassinated, and his death had a profound impact on Romero and how he would live his life and carry out his role moving forward. Romero became an outspoken critic of the government in El Salvador, speaking out against poverty, social injustice, assassination, and the torture being carried out, and he got his message out via radio broadcasts of his sermons, and they had a huge impact. So huge, in fact, that they directly led to his own assassination while celebrating Mass in 1980. There is so much more, such depth to this story, and I encourage you to delve into it. Read his words, starting with the violence of love or the scandal of redemption, for example. Read the history. Watch the dramatized movie Romero. It's great. Romero will touch your heart and deeply add to your perspective on the gospel and what it means to live a life focused on the gospel in today's world. But I'd like to take at least a minute to focus on his time as a priest when he became emotionally and physically exhausted by his work. He went on a retreat where he was actually seen by a psychiatrist and diagnosed with obsessive compulsive personality disorder and scrupulosity. There might be many listening right now battling these two seriously prevalent and seriously debilitating issues, and I want you all to know that there's hope not only for treatment and wellness in the face of these mental health issues, but for you to find the path God wants you to find to become a great saint, the path to salvation and holiness. Ask St. Oscar Romero's intercession. Ask for his intercession as you seek that path that God has specifically laid out for you, and I pray that you'll thrive in holiness just as he did. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer, and today we're going to go with uh, some of the words penned by Oscar himself. It helps, now and then, to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it's even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is a way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. 
This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the results, but that's the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are the workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen. And now you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter therapy. Sean offers our first question. What is the best way to combat thoughts that are perversion? Thank you so much for sending this in, Sean. And let's all take a moment to pray for Sean and everyone who tries to cope with the intrusive thoughts that plague our minds day and night. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. There are multiple schools of thought on the best way to deal with intrusive thoughts, but I always like to start with this. Intrusive thoughts are nothing more than automatic thoughts that come into our mind because of our fallen human nature. And because of that, I think it's important to remember we cannot really place a value judgment on them. By that I mean we shouldn't feel guilty because they pop up. We shouldn't feel ashamed or sinful because they jump into our minds without our will being engaged. And we shouldn't think that because we have some sick and twisted intrusive thought that it says something about who we are as a person, meaning having some weird homicidal thought pop into your head doesn't mean that you're actually not the nice person you pretend to be, but you're actually a homicidal killer waiting to be unleashed. Now, now to how to battle these thoughts, one school of thought is letting the thoughts flow by. Once you understand that these are random thoughts popping up without your will being engaged, many people think the best way to cope with them is to let them go through your mind and flow on out naturally. The idea here is that working hard to engage these thoughts and fight against them, typically as a way of proving to ourselves that we aren't some kind of pervert for perverted thoughts like you mentioned, actually can make the thoughts worse. The more we feel the need to prove that we aren't like that, the more the thought becomes entrenched in our minds and continues to pop up. Once we realize that these thoughts don't really say anything, Thing about the real us, we can let them be, not worry about them, and then they start to lose power over us, if that makes sense. Of course, the other school of thought is to engage them and fight back by using techniques like trying to focus on something else, figuring out what triggers the thought and addressing that, talking to the thought like, hi there, just because you're there doesn't mean I'm a bad person, practicing mindfulness to get yourself out of your mind and into the present moment, and lastly, checking in with a professional to get help. A therapist would be an appropriate place to start. So, go forward with our prayers, Sean. Anonymous is up next. My adult brother and sister got in a screaming match that turned physical two years ago and haven't spoken since. My sister refuses to see her part in the fight and immediately becomes defensive if the subject is ever brought up. She thinks that no one is on her side since the rest of us, one, don't want to take sides, and two, try to help her see her part in it. Now she says she will never make amends with him and he is not her brother. Is there anything I can do to help my family heal or should I stay out of it? 
All right, everyone, let's pause for a second and pray for this family and all families who face similar situations where members of the family feel stuck with how to support and promote healing. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. First off, God bless you for even wanting to promote peace and healing in your family. So many of us simply turn away and leave our families behind when the going gets tough. And just the mere fact that you care enough to want to help shows how incredible a sibling you are. When someone refuses to see their part in a situation like this, it says a lot. First off, they know their role in the situation. They get it, and they probably feel ashamed about it. But there's something in recognizing their role publicly that scares them because it admits they did something wrong. It says something about them as a person that they aren't comfortable revealing so they hide behind the idea that they were completely right and the other was completely wrong which is pretty rare in family arguments uh, outside of abusive situations of course so then when someone is flat out refusing to make amends you have to ask yourself is it worth it to keep pushing or is it time to hang back and let the passage of time heal things a bit the downside of pushing harder for peace and reconciliation at this time even though it's the right thing to have happen is that it can close off the relationship that you still have and make it even harder to affect change moving forward. Sometimes we have to pause and take a step back for the sake of maintaining the relationship so that we'll be able to affect this change at a later time when the person may be more open to it. It's really not easy, especially when you know people personally, and most of us do, who never forgave someone in their family and ended up going to their grave with it, which isn't good for anyone. But trust in God. Trust in the power of prayer to open them up to reconciliation. Sometimes we have to recognize that it might be a start just to make amends and forgive everyone involved. Forgive them for bringing this difficult situation into your life and the life of your family. And just not uh, just not sometimes, but always, we have to make sure to consider and take care of ourselves and our own mental health at the same time. We'll wrap up with a question from a different anonymous. I'm a female struggling with masturbation without any pornography. It's more of a response to anxiety. I feel like there are few resources for struggling without pornography use. Through struggle and prayer, I have currently been able to handle the temptation, but I would still love the help of some resources. First of all, Anonymous, incredible. I don't even know you, and I'm just so proud of you. It's like, it's just an incredible witness that you share this. Uh, Unbelievable. Anonymous also still needs our prayers, fam, and so does everyone in a similar situation. So let's go. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. First of all, because we all need to hear this, God loves you. He loves you so much, and he wants you to have peace and consolation in your heart, and I want that for you too. Okay, so with that really important item out of the way, let's start with this. You can't quit a behavior that's a coping mechanism for anxiety or depression or anything else without replacing the behavior with another coping mechanism. We see this all the time with people working hard to quit drinking, right? They replace drinking with something else, perhaps 
chugging soda or some other healthier alternative to help them cope. People can't just stop using drugs that they've been using for years, as an example, to cope with their difficult emotions, right? They have to learn to do something else to cope with those emotions instead of drugs, something healthy. And so it is with your situation. Finding a response to anxiety that you can replace the old behavior with. It isn't easy, let me tell you, but through practice and repetition, you can train your brain to want the healthy coping skills in place of the unhealthy one over time. Remember, it takes time. Relapses are inevitable. Even our Christian faith recognizes this. Think of Christ instituting the sacrament of confession for this very reason. But through grace and through working at it and through getting help if you need it, you can overcome this situation. And Anonymous, with the work that you've been doing, you can move to help others, to be that resource to others who don't know where to turn in this exact situation. And that's exactly what I was talking about earlier. It's what the grace of Christ gives to us. Healing in our own consolation, in our own suffering, right? Consolation in our own suffering so that we can then console someone who finds himself in a similar situation. May God be with you. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations if you'd like me to address them in the future. I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the things they've got going over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourself. Take care of yourselves. And if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry. I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dimpna. <laughs>